Well, welcome to New Endings. This is Darren. I'll be your host this week. And uh, we have our lovely co-host, uh, Stacy here with us today. How are you doing, Stacy? Great. Hello, everyone. How'd you like that new intro music there? Stacey? Absolutely. I love uh, you it. You know, there's kind of a funny story behind that. You know, I, I, I'm not a, I'm just a guy. I just get on the radio and talk about to other people that, uh, you know, have, are, have, are in my position that I was in with alcohol or some sort of addiction. And, you know, I'm not a radio guy. So I look for advice from everybody. So, you know, we go on uh, some new stations. We've been adding stations uh, and growing real fast. And I asked for a little advice from uh, from these folks, and uh, they say, oh, everything went great, you know, and, uh, you know, you guys sounded good and blah, blah. So everything sounded all right. Then at the end he says, now, um, you know, in the future uh, we'll look at a few other things, like intro music. So I, <laughs> He didn't, thought, like, I, I thought, didn't like the Rocky okay. stuff. I, did, I guess he didn't like my rock and roll. So, <laughs> so I said, okay, well, let's get something a little calmer. So I'm going to send that and see what they think of that. But All in right. Any case. All right. <laughs> Back on track. Well, uh, this week we're talking to uh, Tamara. Uh, Tamara's from uh, California. Uh, she uh, uh, went to Celebrate Recovery, had a few issues that uh, we're going to talk about today. Uh, remember, Celebrate Recovery isn't all about alcohol and drugs. Uh, so we do cover some other issues as we go along because there's folks out there dealing with every kind of hurt, habit, and hang-up. So we like to cover everything to kind of give right. you guys a right. feeling of, uh, you know, what other people are going through. Because most of the folks think that, uh, you know, they're the only ones. Right. And uh, you're kind of locked in your own life thinking that, uh, you know, there's nobody else that's in your kind of situation. And when you finally get out and realize what how the real world is working and how everybody else is just hiding everything, then all of a sudden it, it a light comes on and, right. you, and you understand. So w w our idea is to try to give you uh, other folks that have been in your situation. So uh, Tamara, are you there? I am here. Okay, great. Hi, now, Tamara. Hi. All right. Now you're uh, from California, right? Correct. How long have you lived in California? Were you born there? Or? I was born here, yes. Oh, okay. Well, uh, just to give you an idea, I don't know how many uh, New Innings radio shows you've listened to, but we kind of try to like give uh, people, you know, kind of your life story. I like to talk about what your feelings were as you were going along. You know, what was I thinking about myself? You know, that type of thing. And so they, we connect with you know the other folks that are you know feeling the same way. So we're kind of kind of go back and and look at your life from the beginning a little bit and see you know how your childhood was and that kind of thing. So we can kind of get a, a framework of uh, how things were going and then you know how we ended up. So. Why don't you go back and kind of tell me a little bit about uh, how you were growing up? You know, at, uh, you know, were, were you did you grow up in a Christian home, or you know, were, were there other factors? Just kind of give us a brief rundown on that. Okay, I grew up in a multi-cultured family. My my father was Mexican, and my dad was white, or my mom was white, and um, it was really. Um, I can't even say tumultuous. The word. Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> My dad was very, very strict. Very, I couldn't do anything. I go anywhere. I couldn't even sometimes talk on the phone. And he sometimes would grab the phone out of my hand and scratch me all up. He one time dragged me by my hair. And then there was my mother, my sweet little mother, who was totally the codependent, who didn't fight or do anything to make him mad so I learned my codependency and how to deal with people that are really um pushy and really controlling by right. doing things like that well when I we're growing up, up we uh 
you know, we we uh, uh, imitate our parents, you know, how our house or our younger life is. You know, we don't know any better. You know, I guess that's like the way life's supposed to be. That maybe this is how women are supposed to act. So you, you don't really know any better, so you kind of fall in that that uh, rut. You know? Correct, exactly the way that your parents, you know, raise you. That's how you're gonna go with it. And exactly, it, that's what I did. I learned my codependency from my mother. And bless her heart, but she just did not, she was not really that assertive at times, but it's okay. Um, Then I went to high school. Um, I was a, I guess, somewhat of a problem child. I would never wanted to be, I was the one that was sneaking in the window in the middle of the night um, while my brother was really a good kid. So my mother was always constantly trying to um, cover for me. So my dad wouldn't get mad. And then finally my dad would, um, throw my mom up against a counter in the kitchen sometime. And I would hear it because I would hide from my dad in a closet. So, because I was so scared of his anger. So my dad, um, threw my mom up and I finally just told my mom when I was like six, 15 or 16, I told my mom, you know what, mom, I cannot live here anymore. I am so tired of dad seeing you do that to you. And so she finally ended up getting a divorce um, because of something that I said to her. I said, you know, it's either him or me. She goes, well, where would you go? And I said, I don't know where I would go, but I would not live here. I can't watch him do that to you. Mm -hmm. And he was my own dad. He was my real dad. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, when things would happen, we didn't live that far from the main police station. So I would run and sneak out of the house and run to the police station and tell the police to come and deal with my dad because my mom couldn't do anything. My mom was totally, you know, very passive. And so the police would come and he could never figure out how the police would get there (laughs) because nobody would call the police and yet they would all show up. So, so then it would calm my dad down, but then it finally just dawned on my mom when I talked to her finally the last time, and I said, "I can't do this anymore," and that's what we did. Right. Well, that's good. So you kind of, yeah, you kind of pushed him, pushed her over the edge. You know, right. she was probably thinking about it the whole time. A lot of women in that position, you know, they think that there's no other way out. Uh, they're just going to have to deal with it. I have kids. How can I do this on my own? You know, they have all these issues going on in their head, and. And, Absolutely. And so they right. try to stay, you know, when, when they don't want to, but they don't want to say something. They don't want to get the husband in trouble. He's the moneymaker. You know, he's the one that holds the place together. So I'm just going to have to take this to make sure everything is good Well, that's good exactly what my mom right. was. My mom, my dad was the moneymaker and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And she didn't really, you know, she wanted us kids to have a dad growing up and all of that. But I I was wise enough to know that's not the way I wanted to right. live. Right. So right. I had to say something. No, we're not doing this anymore. All right. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, good. Now you, so, uh, so you met a boy. Yeah. It, it was really funny. My dad was really funny. The look on his face, like, how do these police know to come? You know? <laughs> okay. Um, so then I went to high school and I got in 10th grade and I started getting into some trouble and I would ditch all the time. Yeah. So the finally, tell us my, about the boy the you met. Principal, I'm sorry. Tell us about the boy you met, because that kind of leads into your next part. There, you met a boy. Oh, he yeah. was a heavy um, man. Yeah. I met a guy who um, two years before witnessed to me because he was on fire walking with the Lord, and he was a punk rocker, and I was a heavy metaler, 
and I didn't want to have anything to do with them because I wasn't, I didn't even know the Lord really um, back then. And so I made fun of them and I, you know, cussed and swore at them. And then two years later, I ended up seeing him again because he lived in my neighborhood and he wasn't walking with the Lord. So he and I got together and we started dating. All right, Tamara, hang on one and, second, okay? We're going to take okay. a little break there. I'm sorry, I, I, you may not have heard the music. We're going to take a little break and we'll be back right after this, all right? Perfect. Mm -hmm. Hi, this is Darren, host of New Endings Radio. You probably noticed we talk a lot about Celebrate Recovery on this show. That's because that's where we found our help through the power of God. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-based 12-step program that believes our true higher power is Jesus Christ. A Celebrate Recovery meeting is just that, a celebration. We praise God with worship music, prayer, and scripture. We listen to the testimonies of other people that have changed their lives and look toward the future as we recover from all of our hurts, habits, and hangups. In our small groups, we find the support that we need with others that are struggling with us. If you would like to try Celebrate Recovery, you can go to Valparaiso Nazarene Church on Tuesday nights at 6.30 or First Church of God in Laporte on Monday nights at 6.30. Make that first step and keep listening to New Endings Radio right here every Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. on WIMS, our hometown station. All right, welcome back to New Endings. We're talking to Tamara from California. She was just uh, telling us about uh, her new boyfriend she met in high school, which uh, was a, a strange mix, I guess. She, well, I don't know if it's a strange mix. Yeah. They're kind of along the same lines. But uh, in any case, he's a um, heavy metalist, and she's the punk rocker? Or no, she's, I think she's... She's the punk rocker, and he's the no, heavy metalist. No, I can't remember. Which I one don't was know it, that Tamara? it matters. <laughs> which one were you, the... the Punk I rocker. Was heavy metal. She was heavy, heavy metal. metal. Okay. There right. you go. There you so go. You we guys, got it. So, yeah. you, so you meet this boyfriend and uh, you go home to the house. He takes me. Yep. Yeah. He takes me. He takes me over to his house and his mom was on fire Christian. As soon as I walked in okay. the door, the mom goes, Oh, Lord, please have mercy on my son. She didn't tell me this till later. <laughs> so I was the nightmare, you know, like so many parents have their kids, you know, bring somebody home and they're like going, Oh my gosh. Well, I was that girl. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> Um, so I walked in and she started praying for me from day one. I didn't know this until later, but she started praying for me day one. We went to this, we, I said, where do you want to go to church? Where can we go? And so he took me to this church in Santa Ana. And after he and I broke up, I knew that church was home. And so we went over to, um, I was on the evangelizing team and about four years later, I met this guy, um, and when I was 28, he ended up being my husband. Okay, and now, did you meet him at the church? Yes, I did. Okay, so he's a Christian evangelizing also. Team. Yes, oh. we met on the evangelizing team at church. Oh, okay, correct? all right. Seems, seems like a good start. Yep, absolutely, <laughs> and, then, and that's the way... That's why we got to really be careful. It seems like a really good start, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, a lot of pe people, you know, they... I talk to so many people that, uh, you know, you see the people that go to church all the time. And, you know, every week we go to church and, you know, there's people that have their church mask on. You know, I mean, they everything's going haywire at home, but they come to church. They want to make sure everybody thinks everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm not one of those people that need help. You know, mm -hmm. we're fine. We don't really need it. You know, so they smile and, you know, nobody ever knows what's going on. But behind the scenes, everything's falling apart. 
So it's better to reach out and, and get some sort of counseling or help or something rather than just bottle everything up and, and play pretend with everybody, you know. So that's uh, kind of what happened in, in your situation there. But uh, you went to that church for quite a while, like eight years or something, right? Eight to ten years I yeah, went there. that's great. Yes. All right, so, yeah, you, so you meet your... Ex- yeah, you, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's all right. You meet your husband and you got, you, you guys get married and and did you stay in California? We did. We stayed in California. When we got married, I moved to his home in Long Beach, California. And um, he comes from a very good Christian family. So that was another plus for me. And so I just loved my, my, my new life. It was amazing um, at first. We did do pre-counseling, but what I didn't know is that my husband had a um, a life that was not uh, shown to me, another side to him. And right. well, he, was he gay. told me about he was it. Gay, he right? told me about it. He had done it in the past, but he said he didn't want to do it anymore. So I, yeah. he said, I love you. I want to marry you, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. So I moved forward with the marriage. Right, but you you got to tell us that the situation, you, I think you told me he was gay, right? It's the problem. He had yeah, some, he okay, all right, all right, gay. Right. Yeah. That, that, make, that makes a difference. I don't, you don't hear that every every day of the week. Yeah, he ended up being gay. Okay, all right. Um, I thought I remember you telling I me had, that. So. How, yeah. did, how did that whole thing work out? I mean, when did you find out? or how did Well, it, I found out little by little. It wasn't right out in the open. He didn't, like, come out and tell me. Um, he, like, we came back from our honeymoon, and I, I sat down on the couch just to get a hug from him, and he looked at me and goes, I said, I just came over to get a hug, and he said, oh, no, I'm not going to give you a hug ever. And I went, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? I go, what do you, uh, what? It totally just blindsided me. I was just like, what the heck? This is my husband. And he's saying he's not ever going to hug me. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wow. So that's how, that's how things started going. And, um, and then, uh, 16 into the months into the marriage, he cheated on me for the first time. I caught him with another man. Mm. Okay. And, um, that didn't take long. No, it didn't. And, um, okay. So what, so did you stay then and you're trying to work through it or well i talked with my pastor and his wife and his pastor my pastor and his wife um said that you know it'd probably be good to separate for a while but being the christian wife and a codependent wife right god is going to heal him Mm. you know god's going to do a miracle and god's not heal him you know he is who he is it's not heal him but god's going to work on our marriage and things are going to turn out that's what i wanted Right. You know, yeah. even if I knew ahead of time that he was gay and this is how we were going to do it, then I would have said, OK, this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, but you couldn't cheat on me, you know, like I couldn't cheat on you. Right. So um, that was just something else. Right. And um, I didn't you know, you can't if somebody's going to go in a certain direction, you can't change them. Right. You can't right. do anything to make them change. Yeah, so they have to decide that stuff on their him. own. So. Yeah, I still loved him, and I still wanted to be married. So, of course, the codependent wife was like, well, I'll just love him more. Mm-hmm. Try to fix and, him. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep praying, and God is going to just work on our marriage and make everything work. Right. When God was saying, hello, I'm raising a red flag. <laughs> you need to listen to this. <laughs> right. And I paid zero attention to it. <laughs> right. Don't we all sometimes? So. Yes. Yeah. So. Th- 
this, so where did it turn from there? Because obviously the counseling wasn't working, but you're still sticking with them. So he said to me after he, I caught him the first time. Um, he's like, I, you know what? I'm so sorry. I said I'm going to be a a really good husband. I want to be a good husband to you. I love you. That's when he said, I love you, and I want to spend more time with you you know, the rest of my life with you and I want to have kids with you and, you know, and all of that. So I, it took me two years, but I forgave him because that's what God would have wanted me to do. He would wanted me to forgive him. And it wasn't easy. It took me two years right? because what I didn't know is later on when I got into celebrate recovery from that incident, I ended up getting PTSD Mm. and I didn't know it. So I was very uh, suicidal after that. I was having panic attacks. Um, I was very depressed. I was really sad. I even told my husband I wanted to commit suicide. I had it all planned out. I had it all planned out. And I told him I have it all planned out. And I said, I'm going to commit suicide tomorrow night. And he just looked at me. He goes, you don't even know what you're talking about. Well, so buys you a business or something and. Was it to give he, you something to do last, or what was it? Or, or maybe yeah. to make up for something, right? I was, I was, um, I was a stay at home mom for eight years. Um, cause my husband and I were well off. And so he said, Hey, you could stay home. But after eight years, he, you know, I always wanted to have my own business and be female run and all of that and be able to do my own, you know, pull my own shots. So he decided that we were going to buy a liquor store. And oh. I told him I didn't want to do a liquor store. And he goes, well, that's not really, All right, tomorrow. You know. Hang on one second. We're going to hear about this liquor store, but we're going to take a short break. And we'll be right All back right. with the rest of the story, okay? Okay. All right, welcome back to uh, New Endings Radio. We're talking to uh, Tamara today. Uh, she's got quite a story going on. One I haven't, uh, I don't think I've heard this uh, set up before, you know, so that's interesting. We have not. As many shows as you get, you think that you'd hear everything, and this is uh, this is unusual. I'm sure there's other people in the same situation out there, but right. that's what the show's all about. Right. But in any case, uh, so your husband bought you a liquor store. Uh, how, how in the world did that come around? You guys are both Christians, and he decided to buy you a liquor store. Um, he wanted me to do something and he was thinking he was going to be, you know, good putting me in a liquor store because I could run it myself. But what he didn't tell me was I was going to be there over a hundred hours a week. And through that, I found a, 
uh, new friendships. I found a, um, I ended up getting into an affair um, mm -hmm. with one of the customers and that's how our marriage really just, uh, I moved out and I moved into my new boyfriend's house and I lived there with him. And um, through that, then we started, I know it sounds really weird, but about a year and a half later, we were having problems and I ended up moving out uh, back into my house. My husband wasn't there anymore. I moved back into my house. He wasn't there. Um, and so I lived there and I realized that I needed more help, that this is not going to work. My life was a totally out of control. It was a total mess. And I started going to church again. And on the screen, I saw a sign that said celebrate recovery. And I kind of hee-hawed around because I'm like, well, I'm not an alcoholic or a drug addict. So I said to myself, well, I'm going to just hold off on it. And then I realized it was for anybody with a hurt habit or a hang-up. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's totally me. So I ended up going to celebrate recovery that Friday night. And I went there and I thought afterwards, I thought, I'm not doing that again because <laughs> I didn't, apparently I hadn't hit rock bottom yet. And mm. so I went back uh, six months later after beaten, being beaten up by the world again for another six months. What happened? Um, to, what happened in the six months? What made you? Because I mean, this this show's kind of like about you know what made you flip. It sounds like you're trying to flip, but you're not quite there. So in that six months, what what happened and and what was going on in your head that made you well, say, "Hey, I need house. to go back." Yeah, we sold the house, and I ended up homeless. I was living out of my car, and um, that's how I ended up at at church because I was trying to figure out how I could get a job. I couldn't get a job. Um, because I had been out of the workforce so, for so long and a liquor store really didn't count <laughs> right? Um, for a lot of different jobs. So um, I had been out of the workforce. So I, that's how I ended up um, finding jobs because I could use the Wi-Fi at church in between services. Yeah. And so that was, and I felt safe. Um, by mm. then I had a sexual addiction going on. Um, and I really needed help. I really, really needed help. God was really gracious to me. Mm. And I remember the first day I walked it up back up to celebrate recovery. The Lord said, you know, my, my grace is sufficient for you. And I didn't know it, but the back of the chips say that at celebrate recovery when they give you a chip. I didn't even know that. And I knew when I walked up that last time into the driveway, I knew I was home and I knew I was going to stay. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so, so every Friday, every Friday for two hours, at least I was not getting in trouble because mm -hmm. I would always get in trouble and sleep with so many people. It's just horrible. Right. So the first time you went and you, you were probably feeling guilty and everything else is the first time. And, you know, you just, you did uncomfortable because you knew everything you were doing was wrong. So you bailed the well, first sleep, time. Well, mm -hmm. you know, what was really funny was I, I felt kind of justified because of all the things that my husband had done to me. Yeah. And so I kind of felt justified. He, you know, he cheated on me, you know, numerous mm. times. He sexually abused me one time. And I thought, no, nope, mm. you're not doing that to me again. What, and yeah. so I kind of felt justified. But yet what I really didn't realize was that I was just covering and masking all the pain. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was masking totally so much pain that mm -hmm. I didn't even realize well, the, what uh, I was doing. Yeah, the good for the goose is good for the gander uh, routine doesn't work all the time. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so that's, no. a, that's a bad theory when it comes right. to addictions and whatever. <laughs> all absolutely. Right, so, and so, so anyway, that's you, how I so, ended up 
Yeah, yeah that's well, how you're... I ended up going to celebrate recovery. Right. What really, really helped me out is when I started going and I got into my first step study. Mm-hmm. And my sponsor was in the medical field and I would tell her how I felt and I was telling her what I was going through. And she looked at me one day, she said, you know, I think you got PTSD. Mm-hmm. And seriously, I didn't even know what that was. I'm like, PTSD, what is that? I don't even know. She goes, we'll go on the internet and start looking it up and looking up the symptoms and stuff like that. So I went home, looked it up. Out of 10 of the symptoms um, that I saw, I had eight. And so that started that started my road on really realizing how really sick I was and how really heal how much healing I really needed. Right. And that how I really needed to just give my life to the Lord and just say, Lord, you just do what you need to do in order for me to get where I need to be because I am really sick. Right. Well, very, you're, very so, so you're you're a Christian at this point. Uh, you you yeah. you've accepted Christ years ago, but things have yes. got way off track. And you yes. get and you get to celebrate recovery, and all of a sudden it's it's more like okay, it, it, time out. It's, it's time, time to get back to where I should be. I know this is where I am, and then uh, that's that's. It more, wasn't easy though. Oh yeah, my gosh, right. it wasn't never easy. is. <laughs> it was so not easy because I you have to deal with all your stuff, and you're <laughs> like going, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right, exactly. I so, want to go back to my addiction. Yeah, a couple times I ran back. Mm-hmm. to my addiction sure. and then I had to come back again. Right. But I always mm-hmm. stayed and celebrate recovery. Good. I thought if I knew that if I could keep staying here, you know, and celebrate recovery, I knew that someday God was going to help me get right. to my victory. What well, kind of um, brings if me to stay, you know, humble and mm-hmm. uh, willing to do what God wanted me to do. Kind of brings me to the last question. Um, uh, uh-huh. To, to tell everybody out here, well, Stacey, what's that last thing you always like? So uh, the, the biggest question is, how has Celebrate Recovery changed your life? It has been so amazing. I mean, I went through uh, the testimonies. The testimony nights have really encouraged me to know that my life could have gotten so much better if I would have just yielded to the Lord and the step studies were really, really, you know, when you get, they always say, when you get to that fourth step, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. but you do a lot of healing. You do a lot of, you do a lot of crying and a lot of soul searching. And the reason why you pick the people that you pick, the reason why you do the things that you do. And I didn't want to have to deal with that. I didn't want to have to deal with any of that. And you know what? God, through his healing, um, forced me to do that. And I ended up forgiving my husband and which by the way, he did pass away and oh, his her service that. is actually the day this will first air. Oh, mm. um, and you know, it's kind of um, ironic in a way because it's like God is saying, you know what? Okay. This is a new life for you. Right. And um, I'm going to, I'm starting a new thing um, on Tuesday. You know, the old life is gone now and here's a new life. All right, That's Tamara, awesome. thanks, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate you being thank so you. open. And uh, thank you, Tamara. we'll see you all, folks, uh, next welcome. week on New Endings Radio. We like to end each week with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, 
trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next.